This is the Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast, and it's sponsored by DigiCert. DigiCert is a leading global provider of digital certificates, the world's top banks, e-commerce, technology, healthcare, and manufacturing companies rely on DigiCert to provide scalable encryption and authentication for their most valuable online properties. Beyond the web, DigiCert innovates with scalable, automated PKI-based solutions for identity, authentication, and encryption for the Internet of Things and other emerging connected markets. Check them out at digicert.com. Hello and welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. This is a spotlight edition of the podcast and I'm Paul Roberts, the editor-in-chief at the Security Ledger. The Internet of Things is poised for massive growth in the years ahead as billions of new connected devices come online, including physical infrastructure, medical devices, connected vehicles, and of course, consumer goods like home appliances and wearable technology. Concerns about security and privacy, however, threaten to undermine that growth with polls of consumers and the public revealing deep reservations about the security and trustworthiness of connected devices. Our guest today knows all about those challenges and possible solutions to them. She is Deepika Chauhan, the Executive Vice President of Emerging Markets at the firm DigiCert. Deepika leads that company's initiatives and strategy in adapting PKI to the Internet of Things market and driving DigiCert's overall strategy. I had the chance to sit down for an interview with Deepika on the sidelines of the recent RSA conference in San Francisco. In this Spotlight podcast, I'm bringing you that interview. In it, Deepika and I talk about the unique security challenges that the IoT presents and the factors and habits that are contributing to epidemic levels of Internet of Things insecurity. We also talk about Deepika's path to the information security industry, the role of mentors in fostering professional success, and the industry's continuing struggle with gender and racial diversity. I started out by asking Deepika to talk about her role at DigiCert and how she came to head up the company's IoT strategy. So Deepika Chauhan, Executive Vice President of Emerging Markets at DigiCert, welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. We're glad to have you. So for folks who don't know about you or your role at DigiCert, um, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So um, just a little bit of the background. I am uh, relatively new to DigiCert, just joined DigiCert as a result of the acquisition uh, that DigiCert did recently of the old WireSign business from Symantec. So two years back, I uh, joined Symantec's PKI business and I was leading the overall strategy and business operations for the group. And as a result of the acquisition, I started working with the DigiCert team and uh, after the close, my new role now is EVP of emerging markets. And now emerging markets, you might think about geographical emerging yeah. <laughs> markets, but in this context, it's really new markets for digital certificates and PKI. Yeah, that's correct. Like it's really emerging technologies, which is emerging areas of where the PKI can be used beyond the main areas of the SSL TLS space. So the PKI used in the IoT space and enterprise PKI, private PKI, um, national ID, so all these different areas of the PKI. So we're here at the RSA Security Conference in San Francisco. We're both in town for the event, and I wanted to talk about one of the themes that emerged uh, or has emerged in recent years, which is 
the difficulties that information security as an industry is having with diversity, both gender diversity and uh, you know uh, racial diversity and so on. It's a very male-dominated field, mostly white guys. As a woman in the industry, two questions for you. One is share a little bit of your story and kind of how you got drawn into the tech industry to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then uh, an equally relevant story is kind of what kept you in the tech industry, kept you from getting discouraged, pursuing other interests. And just tell us a little bit about your path. Yeah, I grew up in India. And when I was growing up, actually, so I was always towards the STEM field, but it was a decision at one point I thought I wanted to become a doctor. But then I realized I really, really loved math and physics more than biology. In fact, I didn't like biology. I walked out midway in my final exam and barely passed. But I joined undergrad engineering um, and uh, uh, my major was instrumentation controller offshoot of electrical engineering. So I really enjoyed that aspect. Were your mom and dad in engineering? No, I was no. the first engineer in the family. Okay. Yeah, my dad worked at Reserve Bank and my mom was a teacher, uh -huh. so a more economics area. They were very supportive all from the beginning. And so um, after that, I uh, moved to US to pursue uh, my master's degree in computer engineering. Over here also, uh, I, looking back, I never thought about it. I was one of the few women uh, yeah. during my class. But again, I actually, everybody was very supportive. And the supportive was not just women providing mentorship and support, but a lot of men, yeah. uh, whether it was my advisors mm -hmm. and different people providing the support. And then I moved to the Boston area after graduation and worked as primarily product, dev product developer and later on product dev leader. So a lot of different companies, uh, EMC. And the longest I spent was at Nokia, where at that time I was working on developing the mobile browser. So leading a team, which is a cross-functional team from uh, Boston area, Hungary, Finland, etc., to develop mobile browser. And at that time, it was really, really interesting and fascinating. Mm. So that's kind of a part of the story of what kept me in, mm -hmm. because... That was before there of smartphones. It was just coming and working on something embedded mobile, something that you can see was really, really interesting and exciting. Mm. Um, and coding, it was almost like, for me, sometimes piece of a puzzle because I was working for a startup in Kendall Square area. And I remember working and not able to figure out things and going for long walks around Charles River when it was winter, coming back, and suddenly everything was clear and I was able to do it. So I think this essential piece of coding, which is almost like putting together pieces of a puzzle, which mm -hmm. is fascinating, mm -hmm. uh, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So after being in Nokia for some time, I left for business school. And I wanted to get more on the business side and really understand that. Um, so after business school, I joined McKinsey and moved to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So I was at McKinsey for a few years. And when I left McKinsey, that's where I uh, started Symantec because um, the whole cybersecurity space with everything going on uh, was fascinating to me. And that's my journey. So at every, every time, even at McKinsey, I explored beyond tech. So mostly I did tech small, some of the startup from series B, C to uh, some of the very mature companies on the product strategy issues as well as the go-to-market. Um, but also explored some of the other verticals, to your point, what kept me. Uh, and I think it was just like the pace of the change, how quickly you can see some of the impact. 
and uh, working in really a very non-hierarchical atmosphere, which was really, really interesting. Mm. Now, but you can also see the demarcation because when I was working with the healthcare companies, you could see many more women mm-hmm. across the board, mm-hmm. across the leadership, yes. as opposed to the tech and information yes. security yes. area. Well, it's interesting because you were both in tech, but then also in sort of other related industries, you know, consulting and so on. So you did get a bit of a perspective of all of them probably male dominated. But I think one of the really interesting thoughts and actually McKinsey, I think, has done some really interesting writing yeah, on this with as Wall well. Journal, yeah. yeah, about, you know, the value of diversity in the workplace. You know, it's not merely about, you know, the face of the company or yeah. representing a certain image to the public or to the society. It's, it's actually really about fostering different views and approaches within your organization, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's the key. I mean, there's, a, there's of course, a gender angle to it, but there's mm-hmm. also a racial angle to it, but there's also a background socioeconomic. So the adversity mm-hmm. comes in different forms, and yeah. what diversity brings is a different outlook, different ways of thinking. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, many times, failure of a lot of companies linked to just one way of thinking about yeah. things. Yeah, um, cultural blindness. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So are things getting better? Are they the same or? I'm not sure things are getting better. Information mm. security is a very challenging space at the moment for two reasons primarily. One is the pipeline issue as soon as, and I have a daughter uh, in a freshman, and you can see as soon as you enter high school, there's a demarcation, even if they continue to be interested in STEM, the leaning is more towards the biology and others. And it's just less overall on uh, engineering, coding that area and math. But then the second issue is when you're uh, within companies, it's, it's almost like you require very strong mentorship approach. And not all corporations are equipped with providing mm-hmm. that kind of support mm-hmm. and you need to find your way mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. So I think from my education point of view, it's really important right from the beginning to encourage this kind of tinkering and ex- experiential learning. Because when I think back about school, I don't remember my physics class and math class. What I remember is some of the experiments that we did. And that stays yes. in your brain right. much more right. than any of the other right. the sort uh, of the kind of learning. Or the, yeah, yeah. The lectures. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of work, I think, which has to happen across the board. And there has to be a conscious effort. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast. The Spotlight is sponsored by DigiCert, a leading provider of digital certificates. You can check them out at digicert.com. We talked a little bit about the Internet of Things, but it, it's a big topic. And certainly yeah. for a company like DigiCert, it's a, it's a very promising new area, but also challenging, right? So we're getting to this point where um, cyber attacks are having real-world, physical-world consequences. If, if you're to look at it, at the Internet of Things and the, the security challenges around that, where do you think the, the biggest problems lie? And obviously, where is DigiCert's role in, in all of this and making the Internet of Things more secure? It's a really interesting area. And it's, as you see across all verticals, for most of the companies, it's one of the top strategic priority. But it also provides, because of the plethora of devices, it's also provided a much more expanded surface of attack. Mm. And the core reason, at least what I see, is that it's not security is not top of mind when people are thinking about designing the whole infrastructure and the ecosystem. People are not thinking about what exactly, they're they're thinking about ease of use, ease of deployment, but not really about 
what exactly is the security story. The enterprises are not able to secure all the devices, and what they don't realize is that even a few devices actually provide a toehold for the cyber criminals to get inside the infrastructure and bring down not just the organization, but as we saw in Mirai, um, bring down a huge part of the internet as well. So I think it's the lack of awareness. It's changing, but not across the board. So in various use cases, so one of them is security is not designed in, sometimes consciously, because cost becomes a constraint. And uh, especially, I think I see that more in consumer. Why do you want to spend, uh, there's a time to market issue as well. Why do you want to spend a little bit more in t thinking through all those things? things. Um, so Especially if the buyer doesn't care. Exactly, right? if the right. buyer doesn't care. Right. Um, and then the second one is sometimes it's, it's just uh, unconsciously because people are again thinking of ease of use, yep. ease of deployment, mm -hmm. you're dealing with uh, default passwords, passwords are not being changed, passwords are being shared, encryption is not being taken care of. In fact, that's how the Mirai uh, attack happened because they just can't fold the devices where the password was default password and they connected all the connected devices into a botnet, mm -hmm. launching a DDoS attacks. So the way things are changing, I mean, I think how Digicert can help is really as being one of the biggest um, providers from the PKI point of view. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at... Um, the core problems we need to solve in the IoT world, it's almost like a three-legged stool. Mm -hmm. The core problems are we need to make sure we address the authentication issue. Mm -hmm. So when the devices are connecting, whether it's the service connecting to devices, whether it's over, over there or any other service connecting, there's a, authentication is a key issue and PKI through um, certificate-based authentication addresses it. The second leg of the stool is encryption. So when these smart devices are talking to each other, that communication needs to be encrypted because otherwise we, are, we have the challenge of man-in-the-middle attacks and all those kind of issues. So that's something that PKI deal with. And the third one is the data integrity non-repudiation. Really. Mm -hmm. The code which is going to be executed mm -hmm. needs to be signed. So from those three core issues are all addressed from PKI point of view. Because PKI is really a bedrock, like it's, it provides the key identity and security solutions. Hmm. Um, do, um, do you think um, sort of IoT deployments, at least such as, they, such as we see them today, are going to um, require a sort of wholesale rethink of the way we deploy uh, PKI and the way we do encryption, you know, uh, do you know security on the endpoint, or can this more or less be folded into the you know systems and infrastructure we've set up to secure you know web websites and applications and so on, and can we extend this out to uh, hundreds of millions, billions of uh, IoT endpoints as well? I think it's a, the answer may vary by verticals to verticals mm -hmm. because um, in a lot of cases it can be extended, but what happens in some of the industries is the legacy, 
we have to think about exactly where the IoT is being provided because if you're dealing with a lot of legacy devices, mm -hmm. um, embedding those existing devices mm -hmm. with security is hard, so you have sometimes a gateway-based solutions. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about future installments where it becomes embedded really from the chip point, mm -hmm. it becomes more, it's easier to have really at the chip level the communication and um, providing security. So I think it's a combination where we have to think about what is already in the ecosystem and at what layer are we providing some of uh, the security solutions. Um, because in the automotive space, for example, it's more mature. Mm -hmm. uh, automotive space is more mature and they're already thinking about how to do vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication, V2X communication. And they are taking from the OT point of view that into the whole design architecture. In fact, just recently, the Aeromax announced Digisert as the root CA for wireless communication, mm. securing the wireless communication between the, the airplanes, the aircrafts, the ground services, where the Digisert PKI can be used to ensure that there's secure communications when the planes are talking to the ground services. And, but then there's industrial control is a little bit more challenging. So, you know, it's easy to point to the Mirai botnets and NotPetya's as uh, evidence of things going wrong. Uh, you mentioned uh, automotive as an industry where things are going right. Are there other examples? I mean, where are, who are the, who are the leaders right now? What are the industries or companies that are out front with addressing these concerns about yeah. doing security at scale in different types of endpoints, different types of yeah. devices. And so the pattern that at least we are seeing is where it's a human safety issue. Those industries are thinking about it more and at least consciously think, trying to uh, integrate it into the design. So definitely there's a lot to be done even in um, transportation. Please are thinking about it. In fact, in our conversation with most OEMs, there's definitely a discussion about it. The second vertical I would say which is conscious about is the healthcare. Mm -hmm. And we work with 15 of the major device makers and clearly they are thinking about all the different use case. Non-repudiation is a really, really core component when we are talking about healthcare. So it's being taken into account over there and so much so that the procurement groups are actually requiring that to be embedded into the requirements. So I think there's more thinking going on over there as well. Um, industrial control will require more, I, I think the thinking about it, but I think it's, it's uh, and industrial co control is such a huge area, of course. It is. I think smart meters, et cetera, there's more uh, happening, but it's, it has more work mm. to be done um, overall. And consumer is very, very dispersed. How much of it is a technology challenge and how much of it is just educating the market and the vendors about the risk and the threat? I think if you come from the information technology or information security space and you're very used to thinking, you know, with, in a lot of detail about the various threats or risks that are out there, but if you're in an industry that generally has not had to deal with online attacks and online adversaries, then maybe not. 
Yeah, know? and then that's what you see in consumer because it, it it's risk versus the cost mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. If you're in healthcare or automotive, the cost is just too high of these things happening. In fact, you uh, deal with the recalls and all those kind of things. I think the cost incurred in the consumer uh, at the moment is uh, perceived to be not that high. Like if what happens if something is wrong with my watch or uh, Siri or something like that. So I think that that's the calculus. That's why, and that's where some of the cost issues are more critical as well in mm-hmm. consumer areas. Mm-hmm. It's also more dispersed because we need standard bodies. So if, for example, the Aeromax I mentioned, there's a standard bodies which is thinking about holistic solution for secure wireless communication. Um, we don't, at least we haven't seen that much activity in the consumer space. Yeah. Well, like we see it sort of, I mean, to use an example from, you know, kind of the popular media, you know, with the election security issue, yeah. right? So, you know, the, the, these are embedded devices, the security problems and issues with them are well known and talked about for more than a decade, really. But now the perception of threat is much more real. And so you're starting to see more action from kind of outside of just the yeah. vendor community or even the infosec community. You know, you're yeah. seeing a policy circle, you're seeing you know, federal money starting to go to address some of these concerns and a conversation about you know, what, what security means and, and where the best place to apply security is. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. But yeah. that's, of course, a really narrow area. Yeah. yeah. You know, the interesting thing is because this needs to be a CISO level. Mm-hmm. Um, Discussion because a lot of times what happens is at least you see in the PKI decisions are being made sometimes lower, sure, lower right level and you're not really thinking from the entire yeah. company it's like point a of view deployment focus right, right yeah 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 so I think it's very critical to engage the CISOs of these organizations in yeah. that conversation and the board potentially and the right? board yeah. yeah. Deepika, there are so many different types of connected devices and products out there populating the Internet of Things. There are going to be more as time goes on. As if you're a device maker, you're listening to the Security Ledger podcast and you're wondering, you know, what options or tools are available to you to marry PKI encryption to your IoT product or ecosystem? What are some of the things that are on the table? What are some of the choices or considerations uh, that you should be that you should have? Yeah, that's a great point because I think some many times the consideration varies by the vertical that you're in. So as I was saying, that the core of encryption authentication and on repudiation data integrity is constant. However, the security implications in different verticals sometimes um, guide different deployments. And in Digisode, we work with the customers. So because many times what happens is the customers would come and say, I think I know we have the PKI security need, but they don't know how to architect it. Um, and so we work with them in architecting the entire PKI solution. And in some cases, for example, uh, we'd say in, it's, it's a public PKI, but most often in IoT, it's a private PKI because mm-hmm. it gives them much more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and we normally encourage cloud-based solutions, but because of the security solution, sometimes it's on-prem deployment or hybrid deployment, but still giving an option so that you're still connected to the cloud for uh, major interactions. So uh, it really depends because in industrial controls, you have air gap requirements and all those, which 
um, necessitate these different on-prem or hybrid kind of situation. But in all these situations, we work with the device manufacturers and the OEMs in understanding what exactly are the needs from the provisioning point, from the issuance point to figure out exact architecture and what exact deployment model needs to be. What are some of the mistakes that you see out there doing PKI the wrong way? Uh, well, I think a lot of times people would think that, uh, oh, the PKI, why don't I spin it myself? And what people don't realize is that uh, they may not even have security expertise. So this is coming directly from one of the CISO um, that I was uh, talking to, and they themselves decided, they said, you know, we were thinking of having something um, internally, but then we decided that this is not our core competence. We don't think about all these different issues day in and day out. So this is something that we just need to go with the experts and work with the people for whom this is the core focus areas because there's compliance issues, there's changing regulations, mm -hmm. and all those things. It just becomes very, very hard for people to keep up if that's not the core focus area from a product development point of view. Right. Right. And also, I think what people don't realize is that the total cost of ownership of creating your own is pretty high because people sometimes think only of the software cost, but the whole TCO involves all the different pieces that need to be there together mm -hmm. to implement that solution. Mm -hmm. Well, Deepika, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. It was great having you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. I enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, we enjoyed it as well. This has been a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Digicert. E-commerce, technology, healthcare, and manufacturing companies rely on Digicert to provide scalable encryption and authentication for their most valuable online properties. Check them out at digicert.com.